0: As you know, we've been uh, kind of introducing our theme for the year. Our theme for 2021 is Reboot and Rebuild. And we're going to spend the year together working on getting everything back in order, getting everything rebuilt. And to help us with that, I wanted to start the year with uh, the series Reboot and Rebuild. And so we um, we're, we're looking first of all at uh, what reboot might look like, kind of getting a fresh start. Last week we heard from three uh, we heard three voices from the Old Testament prophets about uh, rebooting. This morning we're going to hear three more voices, two from the Old Testament and one from the New. And I, I want us to uh, I want us to think together today about. About starting over, about getting a new start. You know, the, in 2009, the Cowboys um, opened AT&T Stadium, and it really is a magnificent place. We, uh, some of the the men in our church, took a, a a trip up there, and we took a tour of the thing. And man, it was amazing. We, I, I had my camera, and um, I took. I took over 100 pictures. Of, of We were in the locker room, on the field, in the press. We, we saw it all. I was taking all these pictures. And uh, then I got home to show them to Lisa and realized I didn't have a memory card in the camera. So I have zero pictures. But I was there. <laughs> and when they opened this, this amazing facility, at that time, they had installed the largest video board in the world. Now, somebody else has topped it, but at that time, they were in the Guinness Book of World Records in the year 2009 for having the largest video board in the world. It starts, give or take, it starts on the 20-yard line over here, and then it runs all the way across the field to the 20-yard line over here. The thing is massive. And pretty quickly, they realized that they had a little bit of a problem and that is that uh, punters would kick the ball and the ball would hit the video board. Uh, Later they decided that the punters were doing that on purpose and there's a whole big old thing in the sports world kind of a controversy. But anyway, the point is the punter would kick the ball, the ball would hit the video board, and now you got to figure out what in the world are you going to do because it's not a clean kick. And so it's not fair to the kicker if you just let it fall where it falls. It's not fair to the other team either because they didn't get to play the full play the way they should have played. And who knows where that ball's going to bounce when it hits the wrong way. So the NFL came up with a brilliant rule that would solve the problem. You know the rule the NFL came up with? They announced it to all the teams in the NFL in 2009. When you play at AT AT&T Stadium, if the punter kicks the ball and it hits the video board, you get a do-over. A do-over. You remember do-overs? When we were kids, everybody's favorite game was kickball. You'd kick the ball, and it'd go in a tree. Well, now the ball's sitting there in the tree. What are you going to do? The runner can't run all the way around the bases, that's not fair to the fielding team. Well, the fielding team can't just stand there waiting for it to drop and then catch it and the kicker should be out. That's not fair either. So what do you do? You have a do-over. Man, I love do-overs. One game I cannot play, well there's a lot of games I cannot play, but one game I've actually tried and failed at is golf. I wanted to learn to play golf. Some of the some of the Deacons in our church took me to play golf a couple of times and I spent the whole day trying to catch up to y'all wait a minute I'll get there in a minute wait for me you know they're there I thought golf was relaxing it's you don't play golf to relax you hit it and walk hit it and walk hit it and walk hit it well you got to run you got to go got to go I couldn't catch up to them but one thing that I did learn about golf that I love is the is is what they call the mulligan you know a mulligan that's oops, I kind of messed up, but you guys are my buddies, so you don't mind if I hit it again, do you? You know, it's a do-over. Sometimes in life, we just need a do-over. As we're talking about rebooting. I want us to think together this morning about the do-over. We're going to start with Ezekiel. We're going to hear a couple of words from Ezekiel, and then we're going to hear a couple of words from David, and then we'll hear from Paul. But I want us to start in the book of Ezekiel at chapter 37. Ezekiel's one of the larger books in the Old Testament, so um, hopefully you've been able to find it by now. If not, you might come across Daniel. It's right next door. Isaiah's next door on the other side. Ezekiel chapter 37 and I want us as we look at this story together, I want us to hear Ezekiel's two words for us today. As he says to us, as he talks to us about reunion and revival. Reunion and revival. Now hear his story. Beginning at verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. Now, when it says the hand of the Lord was upon me, that's just his way of saying, this is not something I thought up, not something I dreamed. God was in charge of this thing. The hand of the Lord was upon me means this really did come from God. He was the one that was making this happen. And it says, he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. We understand that to mean that this was a spiritual experience, not a physical one. In other words, he did not literally get transferred from that place to this place. It wasn't like Star Trek where they beamed him from here to there. It was a spiritual thing. In other words, this was a vision. The hand of the Lord was upon me as God worked in me. His Holy Spirit worked in me, and he brought me down in the middle of the valley. This was a vision that he had. He found himself in this valley. Look, it says it was full of of bones. He led me around among them and behold, there were many, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. Ezekiel says, I wound up there in the middle in this vision. I wound up there in the middle of this valley and there were bones everywhere and the Holy Spirit guided me around. And as we walked through the valley, we were crunching on these bones and there was a skull and there was a and there was an arm and there was a leg and and there were there was little pieces of armor that 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 these bones when they were people they used to wear this armor and and we could see all the everywhere was bones and it says but they were very dry very dry that means they'd been there a long time the birds had come by and and eaten off the the flesh and the the, the beasts of the field had come by and, and cleaned up the rest. And then the sun beat down on these bones and it bleached them. And even the, even the marrow in the middle just just dried up and decayed and went away. And now they are very dry. It is important that we understand Ezekiel's picture at this point. What he's saying is this was not just the valley of death. This was the valley of very Death. The bones weren't just bones, they were very dry bones. He's emphasizing that they were dead beyond any kind of explanation or any kind of definition of life. In Verse 2, it says, he led me around and I saw all of these things. Verse 3, it says, he said to me, son of man, can these bones live and I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. What an answer. Ezekiel's a pretty smart guy. You know, what he's basically saying is, only God knows. God only knows. God said, can these bones live? Ezekiel knows he doesn't know the answer to that. He can't know the answer to that. But he knows the one who does, and he's, this is a statement of faith. How many times in life must we answer a question this way? I don't know the answer, but I know the one who does, and my trust is in him. He says, only you know, God. I don't know. Can these bones come back to life? You and I would have most likely looked at them and said, no way. But his was a statement of faith. You know, God. So often in life, we don't know, but we can know the one who does. Verse 4, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you. Sinews, that's not a word we use often. Don't get hung up on it. Um, that's a word that means like ligaments, um, tendons. It, 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 it's kind of like the strings that hold the muscle to the bone and sometimes the bones to each other. And so he, he says, um, I, I, I'm going I'm to bring you back to life. I'll lay sinews upon you. I'll cause flesh to come upon you. That would be the muscles. And cover you with skin. And put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And the the ankle bone connected to the leg bone, and the leg bone collected to the knee bone, and the knee bone connected to, you know, you, you remember it. And all these bones connected together, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. These bones turned into bodies, but the bodies just kind of either sat there or stood there. They were just there. There was no breath in in them. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. In Hebrew, the same thing is true in Greek, but in in Hebrew there is one word ruah which means wind. It can also mean breath. It can also mean spirit. They use one word for all three of those ideas. So the only way to figure out which word he's using is to look at the context. And so, in this context, it can be a little confusing because he is talking about breath, but he's also talking about wind. We might have said, Speak to the four winds. You know, the wind that comes from the north, the south, the east, and the west. In other words, all the wind. Speak to the four winds and prophesy to them. Tell them to bring a breath, to bring life into these bodies. In verse 9, he is told to say that in verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. That's reminiscent of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, where it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. When God first formed Adam, He formed him from the dust of the ground, and He he used that dust and He put it in just the right shape, and He made the bones and He made the, the sinews, if you will. He made the muscles and the skin, and He put it all together, and here's this body. But the body's not enough, it's not enough to exist. He wanted this one to live. And so according to Genesis 2 and 7 he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and this being became alive. And now the same thing happens in Ezekiel's vision. Here are these dead dry bones. They're so very dry that they are completely dead. And God says, prophesy to them, bring them together. He builds these, these bodies back in order, and yet they are still merely existing, not yet really living, and it is by the power of God's Spirit that the wind is breathed into them, and now they are alive. Friends, it's a it's a picture of a reboot, if you will. It's a picture of reunion and revival as the ankle is connected to the leg is connected to the knee is connected to the thighs connected to the hip there is a reunion and not only is there a reunion of individuals did you see there at the end that it said now that they that they had that that life had been breathed into them now they were a mighty army what once were thousands, maybe millions of bones now is one mighty army. You and I have experienced terrible division over the last year or so. nation of Israel had experienced that same division. What happened to the nation of Israel is... They, they kind of got crosswise with each other, and there was a split. The north part of, of the nation, it was actually ten tribes, but the, the north part of the nation wanted to follow this dude. The other two down here, they wanted to follow that dude, and they split. They, they took on a party name, and they separated. However, both sections, the north and the south, both became disobedient to God. And so God allowed the Assyrians to come into the Northern Territory and take them away into exile. He then allowed the Babylonians to come into the Southern Territory, and he wiped the, the, the through the Babylonians, he wiped them out, tore down the temple, tore down the town, took them into exile. And now, like those bones, all separated. Now the people of Israel are all separated. They're all spread out. And there's no life in the nation. But the promise of God through Ezekiel is, I will reunite you and I will revive you. And sure enough, he did. This prophecy has been fulfilled in part as the people were regathered and they were able to come back to their home. It will be completely fulfilled when Jesus returns and Israel is regained in one way or another. It is reunited. But the prophecy is clear. This is a reunion and a revival. And, folks, that's what we need right now. There are many churches that have been divided over the pandemic. The nations is divided, communities are divided, churches are divided. It would break your heart to hear how many pastors are leaving the ministry because of the stress of this year. There are people in the congregation who get mad because you're being too careful. And there are people in the congregation who get mad because you're not being careful enough. There are people in the congregation who get mad because you're too political. And there are people in the congregation who get mad because you're not political enough. This has been a terrible, divisive year in the body of Christ. And you and I need to be praying for reunion and revival. The church has always had those tendencies, but we've seen it so much worse as the world around us has gotten more divisive. We've always had those tendencies. You know, the sanctuary is too cold or it's too hot. We need to sing more choruses or we need to sing more hymns. You know, uh, the preacher preaches too long or the preacher preaches too long. You know, we always... (laughs) We understand that there's a part of that anytime people get together. But our current culture is so divisive. We need a reboot. And when God spoke to his people through Ezekiel, he was speaking to Israel at a specific time about their restoration. He wasn't specifically speaking to us. However, just like last week, We can learn from this part of his character, and we can pray that he would do it again. Just like in days of old, might we experience reunion and revival. We've heard two words from Ezekiel. I want to share with you two words from David. David speaks to us the two words repentance and restoration. In order to experience this reboot, in order to understand what it means to be reunited and revived, it has to begin as each individual, each one of us, experiences David's two words repentance and restoration. Psalm 51 is the repentant psalm. It is the psalm in which David writes out or probably sings out his, uh, his repentance after his great sin. You know that he committed adultery and then he had, he had Bathsheba's husband killed. and It was a big old stink, big old mess, and that wound up ruining his family, by the way. And there came a time when he finally said, God, I have sinned against you. I repent. I confess. I need forgiveness. And that is a summary of Psalm 51. At verse 10 of that psalm, he prays this prayer and asks makes this request, "Create in me a clean heart." Now he says create it because there's there's not a clean heart there and there never has been. It's not fix who I am. It's not change the heart I've got. It's give me something brand new. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. That word right is a word that means constant, firm, I like some versions that translate that word as steadfast. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Get me right and then help me to stay right. Create a clean heart in me and then give me some integrity so that I can remain steadfast, solid, firm, that I can be the man you intended me to be. Notice the repentance and the restoration. Create in me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit in me. Repentance followed by a restoration of relationship with him. It's very similar to what David sang in the 23rd Psalm, with which we're so familiar. In Psalm 23 at verse 3, did you, did you ever notice that he says, He restores my soul? There is renewal. There is revival. This repentance followed by restoration. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He has restored me to the right path. This is what we need to be praying for as individuals, repentance and restoration. Paul even spoke to it in 2 Corinthians. He said, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You know that our outer selves are always wasting away. We're in the process of decay all the time. Our our bodies are are getting older and weaker and slower. We're wasting away in our outer selves, but the inner self... For the believer is being renewed day by day. And so we pray with Ezekiel, Lord, bring reunion and bring revival. And we pray with David, help me to experience real repentance and restoration. Let me be renewed day by day. And that takes us to Paul's voice. And we hear Paul say two words to us this morning. He says to us, resistance... And renewal. He speaks of resistance and renewal. Now, that word resistance almost has a a militant sound to it, doesn't it? That almost brings up something political in us. Uh, Don't don't go there too quickly. Let me show you what what we mean. Resistance and renewal go together. In Romans chapter 12, at verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Resistance and renewal. Don't be conformed to this world. That's resist. Conformed means that there's a pressure on the outside that's shaping me. It's the the idea of the potter. Put a big old lump of clay there on that spinny thing. And once it gets to spinning and doing its thing, the, 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 the potter will... Push on the outside to conform that lump of clay into the shape that he or she wants it to be. That's, don't be conformed. Don't let culture conform you. Resist that. Instead, be transformed. That word means that there's a change that happens from within. Conformed, the power comes from without to change me transformed the power comes from within to change me this is the word by the way that we get our word metamorphosis it's it's the word that describes the change from a caterpillar to a butterfly to be transformed by a power within me be transformed how by the renewing of your mind some of us need to start thinking differently if we're ever going to be able to live differently some of us need to spend a little bit more time here and a little less time on Fox News. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry. Some of us need to spend a little bit more time thinking about all of the blessings that God has given us and a little less time listening to CNN. See, now I got both sides. (laughs) My point is this. The way to experience transformation is in the mind. It starts in your thinking. It's not going to do you any good to show up at church and sing a song and say, Okay, God, I sang a song, now make me different. It starts in your thinking. Don't be conformed. Resist. Don't be conformed to this world. This world is messed up. Instead, be transformed from the inside. And that happens when you renew your thinking. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When your thinking is right, you'll understand what God wants you to do. In 1 Peter, he helps us with that resist idea just a little bit when he says resist him. Him is the devil. Resist the enemy. Firm in your faith. Don't be conformed. Resist. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you'll be firm in your faith. Ezekiel says to us we can experience reunion and revival. David says to us we can experience repentance and restoration. Paul says to us that we can experience resistance and renewal. Beloved, we need to be praying that God would allow us to experience these things as we recover from the chaos that has driven our lives for so long.